We all have big dreams, but far too often we never give them a chance to come true. Well, that all changes today. Welcome to Just Keep Learning, where we'll help you develop the right mindset, be more productive, and learn more effectively so you can accomplish anything. Here's your host, Justin at Just Tries. Our guest today has many viral videos of painted characters dancing on her face. She grew millions of followers on social by creating hilarious, fun-loving content that puts a smile on everyone else's face too. A lifelong artist with a passion for basketball, comedy, and painting, but without any technological background, it's a pretty cool story as to how she became an online star. We talked about painting, monetizing art, and many life lessons learned along the way. Please welcome to Interview 40, Miriam Marks. Thank you so much for doing this. This is an episode that I know I've been really excited for, and we've kind of gone back and forth in terms of scheduling and trying to sync up uh, schedules, which is one of the hardest things about being a podcaster I've learned. But I'm so excited that we're finally able to do this, especially across time zones. One of the first things that I like doing is just letting people introduce themselves because we do so many things in this creative world. So who are you and what do you do? Oh man, loaded question. Just kidding. I am Miriam Marks. I am a artist. I'm an illustrator, apparently an entertainer now on social media. Um, I'm a mom. I'm a wife, daughter, sister. <laughs> um, I just really have enjoyed the past few years sort of making a name for myself in the art world, um, but also being able to connect with more people outside of just art itself. That's basically it. I do face paint characters right now, and they go from anywhere of dancing for 15 seconds to singing for 15 seconds to I'm working on a cartoon series right now that's going to be 12 minute episodes. And I also do art at home on the side commission work and paintings and I sell it, them in my town as well in my off time. In terms of the different ways to make money as an artist, I'm sure we'll get into a masterclass style episode on things like that. But when it comes to that whole journey kind of from, you know, I guess take us through being a, maybe a young kid picking up the pencil crayons or do you call them colored pencils there? Colored pencils. Yeah. Pencil crowns. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Have you heard of that? <laughs> Never heard of that. I love learning new, new words. That's so great. When I was younger, I loved to draw. Actually, I loved to watch my parents draw. I would. I was around two or three years old and I'd say, hey, we had a game, me and my mom, and we would sit in church and I'd say, can, can you draw me a flower? Can you draw me a person? Can you draw me this? And she would try and draw it and she wasn't very good at it. And finally, one day I was like, can you draw me a horsey? Because I was obsessed with horses. And she's like, ooh, <laughs> I'm going to try and draw a horse. And I looked at it all confused and I shake my head. I'm like, that not horsey, that doggy. And she's like, fine, you draw it. And I'm like, I grabbed the pencil and I started drawing a horse. And she goes, oh, the game is switched. How about you draw me this and you draw me that. And I was kind of off and running from that point on. I was just drawing whatever I could see before I could even read or write. So I have children's books actually in my dresser here that I have illustrated when I was five or six years old. And I had my mom write the words for me because I couldn't even spell right. That kind of just sparked like a fire in me because they kind of cultivated that a little bit. And they kind of labeled me as the child that could do art and the child that could draw. And so I kind of took that on as an identity. As I grew, I grew really fast. So in eighth grade, I was already five foot 11. 
almost six foot. And I remember sitting in art class feeling really frustrated, like, why do I have to be tall if I'm just going to do art my whole life? Artists don't need to be tall. It just kind of bothered me because I didn't have like that artist look. I was just this really tall, like athletic, lengthy girl. And sure enough, I kind of fell into sports and I a light bulb clicked on. I was like, oh, this is why I'm tall. I'm going to play sports. And I, I fell in love with basketball and that carried me through college. So I was able to get a scholarship and play at several different universities all throughout my college career. And while doing that, I took art classes here and there. And I really wanted to there was a pivotal moment. I wanted to focus on just art, but the school was the Art Institute of Seattle offered me a full ride, but they didn't have basketball there. So I remember that was like this pivotal moment of, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do both, but I want to choose basketball, but I know I love art. I'm just going to choose basketball. And I chose it. And I remember thinking like, I might've burned a bridge. I may never do anything with art. And I went on and played and it paid for my schooling. And as I went through life, I did commission paintings here and there and worked on things here and there and graduated with a bachelor's in psychology of all things because I couldn't do both art and basketball. The hours were just too long. And it wasn't until I got married and I, I met my spouse and he was like, um, you are really good and you need to do something with this. And I, I instantly that ignited a fire back in me. That same voice I heard with my parents growing up was like, you need to pursue this. This is something that um, is a part of you. And he would just sit there and give me ideas and get excited with me and we'd brainstorm and just allowed me to be myself. And so I just started kind of dabbling and dipping into different mediums. And that's kind of how I fell onto the TikTok app. And my friend was like, you need to post your paintings on there. People like that's how they sell art. And so I'm horrible at technology or it was and I'm getting better. I posted on there and we get like two likes because it was like just a slideshow of paintings. And I'm like, wow, nobody cares about like my amazing horse painting or moose painting. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, I'll just keep doing it for me. And so then I started just filming like funny videos because I remembered when I was younger, I wanted to be kind of a comedian YouTuber, like Smosh and all those funny other shows that I used to watch, The Talking Orange and all that. And so I was like, maybe I'll be funny. And sure enough, people are like, no, you're not funny. You're a girl. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then one day I heard a song on there, a Linkin Park song, um, Numb. I've become so numb. And I had this image just come in my mind. And I was like, I just imagined this funny little dog singing this song. Like how funny would that be to see that cartoon? But I didn't have a way to animate it on paper. And I was just sitting there with my paintbrush and my acrylic paint. And I was like, I could just paint it on my face and make the mouth the mouth of the dog. And so I did that and made a little video and it blew up. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what else? I could do tons of these. And then I did like a little twerking uh, alpaca or something. And that got a bunch of views. And then a dancing monkey and Sia. And then the biggest video that really took off was like a talking unicorn singing like Welcome to the Candy Shop. Then it became, mm -hmm. I was like kind of bummed at first. I'm like, oh, my page has to be like one thing now. <laughs> I can't just do whatever I want on TikTok. Like I am the face paint girl, but it totally unlocked a door for revenue for our family. And I realized how fun I could connect with people. I could still be creative. I didn't have to just be in a box, but I was the face paint girl now. And that happened during the COVID year. It really was just a few years ago that I just got started. And I've been just pushing ever since to cultivate that and grow that.
there's so many things there that are incredible and we could, you know, dive into about like you mentioned the stereotypes of being an artist and some of the ideas around like being torn between athleticism and creating your art and school and different topics. And those are all the topics that are really huge on this show for sure. So we'll definitely go into each of them sort of one by one. But before we came on here, I was actually editing an episode I did recently with Brendan Kane and he wrote the book, uh, One Million Followers. I think it's if somebody zooms right in, they'll be able to see it there behind me. But you know, New York Times bestseller, all about that idea of growing on socials. And in the episode, when I was listening back, I had forgot him saying this, but it really struck me again recently was him saying that whether it's right or wrong, he doesn't want to have an opinion on, but the number on social really matters. And so being able to build that following, I'm sure brings with it a lot of learning, a lot of changes, that kind of thing. This idea of becoming sort of an influencer, <laughs> what are some things that you've learned about that? I naturally am a very open person. I'm an open book. I will just share my feelings, share my life, blab. I was always the kid that got in trouble for blabbing too much about our family, <laughs> sharing, oversharing. I'm oversharer. And I've had to really hone that in and guard myself. And I wasn't expecting that with social media. I was just, everyone in the world sees my perspective. Everyone in the world can see where I'm coming from. And that's not always the case. And so I had to really learn to think about what I'm posting and how other people are viewing that. And I remember feeling a little bit discouraged by that because that goes against kind of the freedom of being an artist. And that's where it's different from just creating from your heart and creating for a following. And and that was tricky to, to figure out. And there was um, several moments where I was just learning about like, oh, wow, there's people that can be really negative on social media. It can get negative really quick and you can be attacked really quick. And so I very quickly realized this is the perfect profession for me to be an influencer without showing a whole blog of my life and having people know where I live and follow everything I do and what I eat in a day and all of that. Like they don't get a know about me, but they get a know about me, if that makes sense. And so I just just accepted that as fact. We just, as partnership, my husband and I sat down and we just looked at it, what we wanted to get out of it. Like, what is our goal with it? And our goal is to bring in revenue and bring joy and laughter to those around the world. And so to accomplish that, like, we don't need to be sharing everything with everybody. We just need to be sharing my art. And that's what I continue to do and continue to focus on. So do you find yourself now that the following has grown so big and you have that platform that you can start to leverage? Like, do you find yourself thinking of sharing more or like struggling with that idea of what to share even more? Or is that kind of like you have those things set? There's a fine line because you, when you work on something, the joy in life is in progressing. And so you want to feel like you're progressing. You don't want to just be like the same thing over and over again forever more. And so that's why we, we set like yearly goals with ourselves. It's not just about like meeting a follower count or meeting a revenue count. It's about like, how can I make this better? How can I make this more entertaining and more enjoyable and more meaningful, more memorable? What message do I want to say? What do I want to share? And going along the lines of that. And that's where 
I've set the goal to make a cartoon series with it because I feel like mm. there's a lot of different ways you can go with that. And maybe they're going to be mini series. So you're not just stuck with the same four characters forever. You, you have this mini series and then you have this mini series and, and I can share my stories that way. And maybe in a way that I never thought I would, I thought it would be on paper, but maybe it's not going to be, maybe it's going to be a video. <laughs> So just setting little goals like that and realizing like we all have desires inside of us and then we have opportunities that come our way too and we can choose to take them or not. But sometimes opportunities that come our way, if we stick with it long enough, more doors open that then go in line with your original desires. It's kind of interesting. Which is really interesting. And when I think about it from a business perspective, I'm sure you will create books. And I know we've talked about that offline before is that the thing that that I think about, though, from a pure business perspective is it's a lot more resource and like financial intensive, you know, maybe getting a book deal or these things up front, which is worth it, but it can happen after because the video part could be done for like low production costs, low, lower commitment. And I'm sure the books will exist too, but maybe they come second instead of a lot of illustrators and authors think they would come first, you know? Exactly, exactly. And and a lot of art that you look at in the world and why it's valued the way that it's valued isn't for the actual art itself. It's the whole story that goes with it and the art, artist that made it. Um, the biggest advice I got was I work in art, worked in an art store in town that was been here for 25 years. And, and she said, she sat me down and she goes, it's not the art you sell, it's who you are. You are selling yourself to people. They are buying you. So what do you have to say? Like, what, what are they buying? you for. And that just kind of sunk in. I was like, Oh, wow. Yeah, you're right. Like anyone who's ever bought anything from me. Yes, they liked the art and they loved the art. But they were like, I have Miriam's painting, like, because I love Miriam. And I was like, Oh, okay, that, I got to remember that when I'm creating, like, it's all about just sharing your heart. Yeah. And with respect to that part, I couldn't agree more when I think of anything that I've collected. But I think that a lot of people get like kind of an icky feeling around that when they're new to it. I wrote a blog post probably four years ago, and I called it the necessary evil. Kind of, tr I was trying to like self validate and justify with like the small audience that I had that like there was a reason why I had to build a story, a personal brand to use a, a term. Do you have things that you've learned that you think would help people who are just starting with like, oh, I don't want to build a personal brand? They're kind of hiding, you know, like ways that you grew into to being able to do that? Yeah, I would just say don't like put yourself in a box. So it's okay to try a bunch of things until something kind of catches traction and it sits well with you. That's something that like, I don't know, in the back of your mind, you're like, oh, I want to do that again. I want to do that again. I want to do that again. Pretty soon you're like, oh, how can I, you know, create a name for this or a brand for this? You know, it needs to come from the freedom of exploring first and then seeing what you desire to like keep repeating on. That's kind of, I'm, that's just kind of how the face paint went. And like, I kind of look at, I love fitness. I love health and fitness. And so I'm like, oh, if I wanted to do health and fitness, that would be a whole nother field on social media, a whole nother platform. But I would definitely be starting small because there's so many health and fitness people I follow and they have their own style with it. And I wouldn't know right away that I'm going to have my name in pink and lime green always. And I'm going to have this little signature and this little end on my video. I'm not going to know that yet, but you just kind of got to fumble your way through it until you realize oh, this works for me. So don't box yourself in and get, I don't know, writer's block or stage fright because you don't know what you want to be yet. Just 
go and know it's going to be bad. (laughs) So like the cartoon I'm working on, I'm like, this first episode is not going to be the show. Like it's going to have revision. It's going to have critique. There's going to be better filming later. There's going to be better sound later. It's going to look better later, but you just have to start. I'm like, I just got to get it out there and get moving because that forces me to make the next one, to make the next one. If I don't make the first one, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ever do it. It's just always going to be in your head. Good for you for understanding that intrinsically and then actually doing it because I think like a lot of quotes, it's easy to say that it can be very hard to actually do it. And in one of the recent solo episodes that I uploaded, I play a couple of clips from Ed Sheeran talking about how he was terrible at singing for his first 150 songs, how he couldn't write a song and all these things. And then he becomes like a massive superstar like that. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. He's one of my favorites. all-time favorite. (laughs) Which is pretty cool. I think that the two clips that I stole to place in those episodes, you know, one's about that idea, just get out your first, you know, 100 songs because it's going to be terrible. And then the other one is an actual clip of him singing when he, before he could sing, but it's him trying and he shares that. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. (laughs) Yeah. And he actually keeps it on his phone to kind of stay like humble and live with humility, which I think is really valuable when you're that massive of a superstar, you know? And so I think one of the things that's really interesting is the idea of going from that exploration, the pure creative, you painting acrylic, I can assume on canvas sometimes, maybe drawing on paper or using markers or whatever into the face paint, having your first video blow up and then like this continuum that exists between just pure creative and then uh uh-oh or okay I'm excited I'm building a business here like how has that continuum changed for you so it's changed a lot and I've I've actually had a lot of roadblocks on that trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this (laughs) and I actually just recently attempted to launch an entire NFT campaign. And I built a team and we all had our talents within it. And I had an incredible teammate that really just drove like spearheaded it and got all the research figured out and all the things and got a discord set up. And we had um, a computer guy to help us multiply the different art that I created and how to make that an actual NFT. Everything was lined up in place and like it should have worked, but it didn't. And I remember just like having launch day be like, six sold out of 2000. (laughs) And the six were like family members, you know? And so it's just like, what did I do wrong? And so I went back to the drawing board and I just kind of looked at it and I was like, well, what is my audience? My audience knows nothing of nfts the type of campaign i did was a reveal so even when they purchase it they don't get to see it yet (laughs) so they don't even see what they're buying they don't even know if they got one of the more valuable ones or not so it's like more of a raffle and so there just wasn't enough knowledge out there they didn't know how to even purchase it so that was a tough thing too because like some people needed to already have like the bitcoin and dogecoin ethereum and stuff like that people didn't know about that so it's just a really tough market and so afterwards i was like wow Maybe people don't want to buy anything from me. And I I had to like, you know, push those thoughts away and realize, well, what was I selling? Like that wasn't something that they understood or could see. They want to see my art. And so I was like, okay, let's start small again. Let's get back to the drawing board. I have a whole clothing line and plan for clothing and everything with my art on it. And so we're just going to start small. We're just going to do a little bit at a time. And that was my business partner's idea. He sells candy. And he said, it's better than just like, if you buy a ton of product and try and go sell it, 
people don't, they just like are like, no. But if you do a little bit at a time, people start get used to you. Oh, this person sells stuff. Oh, and the word of mouth spreads. And then it's just like more organic and more natural. And so I realized, okay, I just need to go that route. So I started offering exclusive videos. That's the reason I painted this little frog on my face because someone wanted a birthday video with a frog (laughs) and um, just offering stuff like that and exclusive um, paintings and stuff like that. So just starting small again and, and just going back to the drawing board has been huge for me and not getting discouraged when you when you hit those roadblocks. It can be it can be pretty tough out there. <laughs> the whole name of the show is just keep learning. Yeah. And that's the idea behind it, right? So I just love that you're willing to open up a bit and share those stories because that idea of what we call like a quote unquote failure really is just that opportunity to learn from. You know, they say that setbacks or setups and certainly being from the world of sport, you would understand that sometimes we lose and then we go back to the drawing board, you know, maybe work with our coaches or whatever and we figure out what the next step is. So that whole kind of theme is really valuable for the audience for sure. I do want to stick with the NFTs for a second. I kind of thought that naturally it may come up later, but because it has, you know, let's <laughs> talk about it for a second for a couple of reasons. One, I didn't buy one and I'm pretty big into NFTs. I have quite a few in my wallet. And the reason I say that is because I think the timing was bad too. That's true. Because it's the other part that you left out. Not that you want to add external factors too much, but if you were a year earlier, I mean, it would have been a whole different story. I really know that market pretty well. I went really big into NFTs. I started building my own brand my own podcast, did like 20 specific NFT episodes, consulted with a few companies, one of which, and that was the very tail end of like that really heated bull run market that I saw where I was like telling them, and this is about a year and a half ago now, things are really slowing down. It's not going to be what you think it is. And they're like, no, we're going to sell out. And then whoever, we're going to draw a name for one of the 10,000 people to win a Tesla. And after a few times of me explaining, like it's not headed in that direction. And this was a, a people who have quit their jobs to go do this full time because they're going to build this big badass company and be the next Pixar was their tagline. In any case, like I love the people behind it, but I was like, we're not there yet. NFTs aren't going anywhere. It's like social media in like 2002. It's going to be around for a very long time and it'll be a part of everybody's brand. Yeah. But the quick thing, it was there like three years ago and it's not there now. Unless, you you know, like maybe if Oprah came out with a quick project, but <laughs> I think that's the thing that it'll still be a, a part of your brand, no doubt. But the second reason why I wanted to stick with NFTs was because is it like someone that you are still selling? Like when we log off of this, can I go buy one? Does that help you? Did you change? change the number or are you just not doing them for now like they're fully on pause the type of campaign that we set up basically is on pause like it's that's not happening because we had a roadmap planned out with each characters when they're going to be dropped and but it all was contingent on the sellout happening because it costs a lot to get going my goal was to have each campaign there's four campaigns based off the top four characters on my new cartoon series so there is a possibility that happening later and rather than doing it like a raffle where there's only certain valuable videos within it like certain nfts came with videos i'm just going to have a gallery and i'm just going to have a smaller number that people can choose from that'll be available for them to search later but as of right now what we were doing is not happening so <laughs> I'm a little burnt out with it, honestly. So I think it'll come more naturally later after I kind of know what's going to happen with the cartoon series and how that's going to evolve. And maybe it's just like some of the most top characters that really took off. Like that's what our NFTs and they come with that video. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and it's interesting because the reason why I ask as well is like, I think we're all those of us who haven't like created as a big part of our brand as like maybe a Gary V has yet or whatever, are like knowing that it's going to be part of something and we just don't know yet. And I'm in that same boat, a friend of mine, Buster, what yeah, it's like we're all we all know that it's going to be something of value, but we just don't know exactly what it's going to look like per se. Totally. And in his case, in Buster's case, like I loved what he did. Every podcast episode he's done, and at the time that he released it, I think he was at a hundred interviews. He as close to for free as possible. He released one per episode, so it was a hundred. And he has a pretty big platform, you know, a few million followers. Wow. And so he had a hundred NFTs. I remember this guy. Yeah, and so it's like, <laughs> yeah, so it it's really neat. I mean to see that how that's grown on the secondary market because now people are buying and trading them and he's you know gaining revenue and just another piece of the brand another little revenue stream and episode 101 Oh, yeah. You had a new one, 102, you had a new one, you know. I don't know how many videos you've put out, but if you had one per video or something like that, it's an interesting thing. And in any case, I think you're right, though. The educational part is a huge part of it. And so when that piece comes along and the people who are in your audience know a lot more about it, it'll be a cool part of your brand for sure. Okay, so I don't have to log off and go buy one, though. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it's closed down. You can buy any other kind of art on there, but NFTs, they're not up and running, so they're not going to trade for anything. So it's not going to be any, of any value to you. All right, cool. When you were bringing up that idea of the people, one person that came to mind too, which is another name drop that can be helpful though. I, I don't know if you follow Mumbot, but she's pretty big in the NFT world and does like kind of like sporadic drops of a few pieces again, you know, similarly. And it's around the theme of the ghost that she creates. So I think, uh, yeah, it's just, it's it's an interesting thing that will exist for all of us. And uh, we won't go too far into the whole, what does non-fungible token stand for? All those kinds of things, because- <laughs> <laughs> that could be a different episode or people can go back and listen to another episode or just Google it or check out a blog post. But yeah, so any other thing like in that continuum that you've mentioned, there were roadblocks, the NFTs being one of them. You know, is there anything else that stands out of going from pure creative to like, hey, I have a brand that I'm responsible for now? Yeah, absolutely. I I was like invited onto America's Got Talent and we were really excited to go do that. Met with all their people made a plan of what we were going to do, had it set up. We're getting ready to buy the plane tickets. They were going to send that over. And about two weeks before the show, they're like, we're not going to have you on. And I was like, why? <laughs> and so um, they really, the way they do it all, it's like they're very protected and they have a lawyer like tell you when you're not going on and they can't tell you why. And they have their reasons behind stuff. But it just seemed like the way they kind of run their show is since everything is through social media now, it's not just standing in lines waiting to audition for so long. They try and get as many people to say like, yes, we're coming. And then they look at their show and they're like, okay, what are our filler acts? What are our like focus acts? And if there's too many filler acts, then they'll, they'll drop them off and say, come back next time. And so that was kind of discouraging because that was right when the NFT was going to be launched. And it was like, I need more people to know about my name and what I do and that I have this NFT campaign. And then that just wasn't going to happen. And it was like, ah, that was like really frustrating. But I was also still like postpartum, like just had a baby feeling like I don't really want to be on stage in front of millions of people. I'm pretty tired. <laughs> so it was for the best. And then they also like said, you can audition to come back anytime. And I just got an email to audition again for season 18. So it's like, okay, that can still happen. And that will be fun to do. But that was that was that was kind of a frustrating one, just looking back on that. And then early on with the face paint thing, just dealing with some very 
negative people on social media was probably the hardest. I was really at a turning point if I was going to keep doing it or not. There's just a lot of people, they call them cancel culture, and they just come after you for the craziest things, things that I never even thought about or knew about. I was, I guess, lived in a box. But because of my skin color, I can't paint other skin colors. And that was really, really frustrating to me because some of my most favorite people are of a different skin color. And I wanted to paint those artists and those singers on my face and make them as characters. And the reason I paint is to bring joy and laughter. And when I saw that it wasn't bringing joy and laughter, it was bringing hatred and death threats (laughs) and really nasty things. I realized real quick, okay, it has to be within a certain parameter or it's not going to happen. And I could stand up and fight back against this, but then that's what my entire account will be about. Or I could, you know, learn from that and just move forward and, and, and accept the reality of our world today (laughs) and work within those parameters. And that's what I decided to do because I wasn't done creating for my family. And that was what was most important was supporting my family. It wasn't to fight back in this, this moral dilemma. And so that was really tough. That was the toughest one, I would say. And, but it shaped me. It really helped me. It just really unlocked a lot for, for me in understanding the social media world. And I think that has really brought a lot of success after that experience. So I guess it was needed. Back to that idea of just keep learning and, and the growth mindset, the metacognition. Yeah, totally. I love the saying that we don't know if something is good or bad. There's a much longer parable for that, but it really sounds so wild to think that we don't know if something is good or bad, especially when we have like terrible things happen in life, you know, and people say, is there a God and that sort of thing. It's really hard to believe that there's any good that comes of some things. But genuinely, I think in our lives, especially pursuing creative careers, it's very hard to know what's good or bad from from these sort of outcomes. When it comes to dealing with the haters. One of the things why why I'm so excited for your brand and want to do everything I can in my little power to see it be successful is because I know that you come from a very strong, valued place. You have a big heart. You want to be helpful. You're generous. And if I were to have my kids watching someone's content, it would certainly be yours. There's people like Blippi who have you know millions of followers and stadium tours where he doesn't even go to be the actual person because the brand's so big. And I'm like, I I would rather flip your brand into that position. But, you know, that, that'll that all come <laughs> long term. For people who are about to have that first viral video, though, what are some ways that you do support others dealing with haters or like ways that you found to cope? One of the just best things you can do, and this is just to guard yourself and your life is the saying block out the haters. You truly just need to go block the haters. <laughs> Like you physically need to go find their names and block them because no matter what you say or do, it won't stop and it just escalates. So anything that you give them, whether it's positive or you're fighting or whatever, it will be used as fuel against you. And so if they're saying you owe them an apology and you give an apology a video, then they have more media to fight with from you. Well, look, she didn't do the apology the right way or she she did it this way. And look, she means this and that means that. And so you just really have to just de-escalate it. That's the key. So do not comment back, block the haters. And uh, if you're if you see anybody else kind of getting bullied, like people do not, it's really interesting. They don't want to stand up against other people commenting negatively, because they're afraid that they're going to come in and attack them. So it's okay to go in and report people, they won't know that. So you can just quietly go report people if you see them attacking someone else. I have a whole life, a whole support system. I know who I am. I know my worth. And when I was being attacked, it was just a short few days. It got dark really quick. It was like, 
I do not want to exist anymore. And so I immediately understood the cyberbullying that we hear about. And I, and I did not think it was a thing. I honestly didn't. I thought people needed to get a thicker skin and that <laughs> they need to just get offline because they're just words. But when there's so many coming at you, that's just what you're hearing. And that's what you think your reality is. It's really quick and easy to be like, wow, like maybe I'm all of these things. Maybe I need to just hide away like they're saying, because even though there's not that many of them, they're very loud. And even though there's more, <laughs> they're all telling you you're going to lose your following because there's so many people after you, you actually gained more people because they're in support quietly of you. And it's just like, Whoa. So if you see anybody getting bullied, my whole first thought is just to stand up for them. If I had that much of a support system and I felt that beaten down by it, I can't imagine a 12-year-old girl or 12-year-old boy going through that. I see a lot of people who are out there creating on their own and I kind of know a bit of their backstory and I'm like, wow, they're maybe a, a, a single mother with you know no partner and no siblings and they're at home creating and then they're getting that hate and I kind of know a bit of their story. So I feel like it's important to send them a voice note or reach out and be like, look, if you're going through it, then feel free to always reach out and lean on me, which goes for you as well. But I do know that you have that supporting cast around you too, right? So of course, maybe you don't need that as much from a stranger, but or just an online friend. But yeah, so for what it's worth, that's always there. And I think that's just something that is going to exist. And one of the pieces that I say to people is that unfortunately, your hate probably will scale with the love as well. And that that's, again, one of those necessary evils that you're going to go through as you build a brand. Because to your point, you, there's nothing you can really do or say. It reminds me of the legal system, you know, when you get arrested, you can, you know, uh, your words can and will be used against you in a court a lot, which is why lawyers are like, did you say anything? And it's like, uh, yeah, I just told them everything that happened because I'm innocent. It's like, well, that's not the point. It's like, just don't say anything. And that's unfortunate, but it's kind of that sort of harsh reality, you know, to, to compare it to. <laughs> I love that you said that. And, and reaching out quietly is a great way. Uh, there was a few people during that moment that reached out to me and they explained like who these people were that they have a whole army and they're out to get just anybody on any topic. And it made me realize, okay, I'm not so singled out. Like they're just looking for their next victim and then they find their next victim and they move on. And so that is a good recommendation because I've seen a few, few people since then get attacked for a few things. One girl, she dressed up as the Little Mermaid and she did her cosplay for it. And they were just so angry with her that she didn't do the right skin color. And she's like, how would I change that? <laughs> and she was in tears over it and really upset. And so like, I reached out to her and I'm like, you can only be you. And like, not everyone's going to see your heart. Just make sure you block those people so they don't affect your social media stuff. But just remember, like, your worth is amazing. When people said that to me, it definitely like gave perspective because you're not so singled out. So that was a good, good reminder. Yeah, sticking together, supporting each other and recognizing that we can make mistakes and move on to I think this whole world right now needs a whole lot of appreciating that in terms of how you create. I know that you have the amazing face paint on right now. It's a frog for those listening by audio. You can check out some of the clips that have the video with them. In terms of that frog, how long does something like that take to actually physically paint, not very long. This frog, it depends on what I'm painting. So I painted like Johnny Depp and um, like when I'm painting like an actual person, it's going to take a lot longer because I'm going to try and make it look like them. I'm painting a cartoon animal from my mind. I've drawn this silly frog on like every 
math paper throughout school while I was sitting there bored in class. So <laughs> it didn't take long to do. It took about 40 minutes from start to finish. The other parts take long. Like now people want to see lashes on and have your hair done and <laughs> stuff like that because they want to see more, not just the art. And so that takes a little more time. Researching really is what's taken the longest and being on different platforms has taken the longest because before I used to just create on TikTok and then that was it. And then I realized, oh, I really, really enjoy Instagram and I really, really, really enjoy YouTube. And so I want to be able to provide different content on there, even though it's the same. I don't want them to go to TikTok and be like, I just saw that video on YouTube, just saw that one. Maybe it's the same character, but I want them to see different videos so that they have more value being on those platforms with me. And so that takes (laughs) super long. So I will paint one character and it will be like four hour night of filming of just figuring out sounds and songs and how I want to go about it on each platform, four to five videos, slowly sharing those throughout the week. And it's so difficult because I have so many characters I want to do, but my time is more limited now being a mom and my energy is more limited now being a mom. So I have just accepted that I might get one or two characters out each week and that will have enough videos to help with the algorithm, but it's not going to be every character that I'm wanting. So maybe fans are getting bored because like I already saw the frog like three days ago, but it's like, okay, <laughs> same painting, different video, you know? So it's, it's changed. It's evolved a lot. Well, it's interesting that you bring up the different platforms because I have like audience submitted questions. And instead of saying like, here are all my audience submitted questions and then like going through them one by one, I I try my best to integrate them. And one of those questions was around this idea of, you know, how long it takes. And then another one was like what your favorite platform is, which I think is a really hard thing to answer as creators. Even I have a, it's impossible for me to answer because I like things that are different about them. So perhaps to pivot it a bit into like, where do you see the different platforms and what do you kind of like about them or how do you feel about the differences between them? I love TikTok because that's kind of where I started. That was what was the most simple app for me to understand since I am technologically challenged. (laughs) I was able to understand, wow, how to film and add a sound and post it. Like that was incredible because I could not figure that out on YouTube to save my life for the longest time. (laughs) So it just felt like, wow, I can be someone on social media now because it's that easy. And the sounds were so fun and inspiring. And it just felt like everybody was building off of each other. It was just really fun. And then Instagram was more like personal and intimate. It was fun to like do photographs and like share about my other art because people wanted to know about that. But TikTok didn't care about that. So it was fun to be able to talk about, you know, a little bit more about myself as a person and an artist than just face paint. (laughs) So I, I liked that about Instagram and it was really hard. It's really hard to build. It's like really slow. And um, once the reels kind of became integrated, it took off and I found myself really enjoying it a lot more. So like having the more following definitely did help in the psychology of enjoying it. And then YouTube was was catching up for a little while. And I knew I always wanted to do like longer videos, but I didn't know how yet. And I just had my iPhone. And so when they came out with shorts, they were like doing updates like every week, making it better. And they're like getting input on on how to make it better. And so they're pretty much there with, with all their sounds and the, the app speed and the clarity of the picture and not having a delay when you're recording a song. Like that was a big one for me. Once they got that, it was like, okay, so they have a community on there that you can, you know, type things and talk about and connect with people. You can do long video and you can do shorts. This is like the mother load platform. They really take care of their creators. They really look out for their creators. And so I just felt like I felt myself shift in sort of a loyalty to YouTube because of 
how much they they put value in their creators. They want to they want to pay you. They want to have you bring your followers over there, and they want to see you grow. And they'll brainstorm with you. It's really cool. TikTok's like a secret. You don't like don't get to talk to anybody. But YouTube's like, hey, if you have a question, you can reach out to tech support and like talk with an actual human. <laughs> you can brainstorm about stuff that you're gonna do. I really enjoy that. So I'm finding myself really wanting to not fully transition over to just YouTube, but I've been spending most of my time like really putting my energy in that in these next few months because we have some goals with YouTube that we want to do. And they just sent an email. I made the 100,000 follower mark. So they send you like this cute little plaque. So it's just like little things like that. Like they'll just send you things that like it's always a secret on TikTok. I'm like, I don't know how that happens. So I'm just enjoying that a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, TikTok, I kind of watched it be built from a distance and like seeing Musical.ly when it existed and not creating on Musical.ly. And then when it kind of rebranded and came back, like I knew it was coming back. The funny thing for me that you say about that secret is I was, I'm sure not the first person in the US to download TikTok, but maybe the first person in Canada, like I was super (laughs) early to TikTok. And I I was like, I'm going to create there because when a platform's brand new, it needs content. And then like, it was really weird in the first few days that I started using the app. I got like a notification saying that one of my videos was taken down because like it was inappropriate or something. Uh, yeah. And the video was a Photoshop edit. Like I was pretty good. Or Sorry. Uh, in Premiere Pro, I edited like an explosion happening where I like disappear like a magic trick. Cool. I thought so. Yeah. So it got taken down. And then like from then on the next like 10 videos I posted got zero views, not one. Zero. And I've shared this with, I think, you know, I've interviewed a few people who are successful TikTok creators. Yeah. Zero, not one, just zero. <laughs> And so like, I don't know, it was kind of like glitchy. So I just deleted the app. And then like two years later, downloaded it again, you know, watched some people I've interviewed like David Brubaker, aka Semi Stupid and Sully Jessica yourself just create really awesome platforms that are like quite successful. And so it was cool to see the app grow. And I don't really regret not creating content at that point. That was sort of like my reason for just like bailing on it. (laughs) And maybe had I stuck with it or somebody said, oh, you should have created another account. And I was like, yeah, that's the stuff that I just don't even want to get into because, you know, I'm maybe a little more technically savvy than you, as you've shared. But like the kind of BS around some of the platforms is where it's like, I'm like, I I don't need to create like just tries underscore or just tries 22 because I have the account already. Like if there's weird stuff going on, I just like, whatever, I'm good. So that's when I deleted it. I don't know. Anyways, I'm sure people can tell those kinds of stories. (laughs) One of the other questions when it came to the face paint was, so how long? does it take? And then it was like, what kind of paints do you use? And then I guess that ties into the question about like skincare. Right. Because I know a lot of people are like, if you paint your face every day, does that not do damage to your skin? Or kind of like, could you touch on those topics? Yeah, when I started out, it was going to ruin my skin. I was going to become a wrinkly old lady. (laughs) It was going to be very quickly. Acrylic is like plastic. It's terrible for your skin. I do not recommend it. And it like rips the hairs on your face when you're trying to wipe it off because it doesn't turn back to a liquid when you add water. You literally just have to peel it off like a mask. And so I did that for about a year. Until I started making some friends on there that they would do cosplay and they'd like to do their whole face and their neck. And wow. I was like, oh, well, that would still work for little characters. I should probably ask them what they're using. I'm sure it's not hard to find. And one of them was like, oh my gosh, Miriam, you need to just go order this on Amazon. And they're Mehron Paints, M-E-H-R-O-N. I actually reached out to them recently. I was like, I can't believe I haven't done this. Like, do you guys want to collab? Like, do you want to send free paints? Because this is like what I built my whole platform 
platform on. <laughs> like you guys are awesome. So we'll see if they get back to me on that. But that was like, it was a game changer for my skin, but it was a learning curve for my painting because the way I painted before was more in layers. So like on this frog, it, for those who can't see it, the eyeballs are like to the sides of my nose and the mouth of the frog is my mouth. And so when I would paint it before, I would just do green and then I would paint the white on top of the green for the eyeballs and then the darker spots for the spots. And I learned with this paint, it kind of blends into itself really easily and you can't really layer it. So I have to like now leave the spots of where I'm going to put the white. Otherwise it turns green. So I remember getting really frustrated with that because I would try and add my sharp lines and it would be like just muddy and messy. And so that was really frustrating. But once you get the hang of it, it was it's a lot better for your skin. It has coconut oil in it apparently. And I've been using it now for like a year and a half and I haven't like had any breakouts from it. The only downside I found to some of it is like... <laughs> The greens and the teals kind of dye my skin afterwards, so it takes a while to wash off. But I don't have like an amazing makeup remover yet. I haven't found that yet. So I've just used like shampoos or lotions or petroleum jelly <laughs> trying to get it off. And it's my least favorite process. I hate taking the paint off. It's so frustrating. I never had a skincare routine. I never had anything I used. And I've tried several different ones this year. And the one I found I like the most that I probably need to just order more of is they sent me son to do a video for them and they're called go pure and i have terrible allergies to things so using amazing skincare <laughs> often makes my eyes burn it's too perfumey it's something and so i started using theirs and i noticed like my skin wasn't super dry it gets really dry in the winter and i was able to use their their face wash like to remove my paint and i was really liking that and so they've been the like most gentle and they have like a lot of vitamin c in it and a vitamin e so maybe that's like the secret but their whole goal is to basically they can't claim that they're 100% pure like ingredients, but basically they are. And I've found those to be the best so far. There might be a better one later. So I'm turning 30 this year. So I need to incorporate some routine. It's time to, you know, treat my skin good. But I think it's doing okay for now. Like moisturizer is the key. So after I wash all this all off, I'm like, just cake on the moisturizer and just let it soak in for about an hour. <laughs> and then I'll wipe it off and go to bed. <laughs> well, it sounds like all four of those kind of like buckets of things to figure out you're starting to figure out and I think definitely you should monetize being able to create for those four companies whatever they end up being and then more importantly I've come to be able to identify trends quite well over the year as and it sounds like creating whether it's your own paints or your own remover or your own moisturizer or all those things will probably be or just one of them will probably be one of those products that you dabble in at some point that'd be cool have you thought about that at all already yes i've reached out like so many times <laughs> It's tough because the way companies kind of do stuff is they have their campaigns and when they're going to give out money or product and then they'll like look at their results on how the marketing went and then they make their new plan. They don't always have like an influencer program in place, especially newer companies. And so like two that I can think of was GoPure was new and then Oliveda was like the olive tree people. I really liked their products, but just haven't heard back from them. And so it's kind of like their loss right now, but yeah. like I probably I'm still going to end up using their products, but I just won't be advertising it as much until we figure out a partnership. But I really don't want to, I don't want to ever false advertise with things. Like I want to find something that works for me. And like, that is my skincare. And that is what I talk about, but I just haven't found that yet. Like I haven't found that partnership yet and that product yet. Yeah. And that's why I'm saying like their loss. I meant the next step. Have you thought about creating it? Oh, creating it. No. <laughs> 
I haven't even thought about that. I haven't even given it a thought or know that that's possible. I don't even know where to start with it. That would be cool. The story that you started to tell about when you were mentioning like trying different things and like combinations of, I think it was when you were talking about the remover specifically, that's the story that everybody that's like, you know, and then I created, you know, baby wipes for adults. And then I created the whatever it is. That's how every direct to consumer like, oh my gosh, that's the story. That's the Genesis story for so many people. You already told it about three minutes ago. But anyways, we can keep that part secret for now. But once (laughs) you figure out that formula, you know, it's like the, the, the baby formula people or the baby shampoo people or all those stories are all the same as what you just told a few minutes ago, because you are the one who's actually doing it. And then all those kids that are watching your TikToks. That's true. You know, their parents want to. And that's one thing that I struggle with. I hadn't thought about this when I asked you these audience submitted questions, but like our daughter, one of them. (laughs) <laughs> one of them likes basketball. One of them loves makeup and she'll just put makeup on all the time. But most of what she's able to get from like friends or family is like probably full of crap that she shouldn't be using on her face every single day, all day. So yeah, I see those being kind of good things that you end up owning as opposed to only doing, you know, 10% or 20%, totally. 5% for someone else. But anyhow, we can shelf that till uh, part two. We can talk about how you're building your direct to consumer makeup brand for kids. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I like that idea, actually. That would be so cool. I'll make sure you get a cut if we ever do that. So, because you came up with the idea. <laughs> 0.01% enough for me because it would be pretty successful, I think. You know, like what people want to buy at Christmas, not just crap from China. No offense. That's pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> I mean, it can come from China as long as it's pure, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> along those lines of kids, because again, whenever I think of my kids, it makes me think of being a creator and trying to create when we're all so busy. You mentioned earlier earlier the idea of America's Got Talent, you know, struggling with some of the haters and dealing with those difficult times in this journey so far for you, the NFT project and and learning from failure. You've taken that all on with grace. I'm sure there were probably some tears shed. However, you are still going. What do you think allows you to not get burned out and keep going? I think reevaluating and making new plans and new expectations. So when I started out, the expectation was I'm going to paint like every night because I'm a night owl and my husband works a 12 hour shift and is gone on nights. And so I'm just going to paint like crazy and just get as much content out there as possible. And I can't do that right now anymore. I'm just like, nope, I can't. And so reevaluating and making new goals. Okay. I, I want to do like, I had a goal. We'll just say for October, I wanted to do October videos and we sat down. I'm like, I want to get these characters done. And then my husband's like, okay, which ones are you okay? Like not doing because that's probably going to happen for a few. Be like, okay, these two characters, I'm okay if I don't do them, but I'm going to write them on here in case I do have time to do them. And then I have to get these done because these are like the two brands that reached out. And then these are the birthday videos I got to do. And like, these are the have to do videos, but I don't want to do those all in a row because I'll get burnt out not being able to be creative. And so I kind of stagger those throughout the week. And then I kind of work that around my schedule. And normally it's nighttime that I like to paint, but lately my health has been just exhausted. And so really just allowing myself to work in smaller blips of time is I put him down for a nap. He's got two hours to sleep. I've got him on the monitor. He might not be asleep yet, but I'm starting and we're going and I'm getting it done. I'm getting my checklist figured out. So 
lists have been a lifesaver for me, honestly, with all of this. And then realizing expectations because the internet never ends. There's always something more to work on. There's always something more that you should be doing right now. And my husband helps me a lot. Just turn off. He's like, you're done. You did it. You're all done. You don't have to do anything else today. You did your things. (laughs) Because otherwise I'm like, there's more that I need to do. There's more that I need to get done. Pretty soon it's three in the morning and I'm like still doing stuff and I'm like exhausted and get burnt out. So I think moderation and pacing yourself and then having a checklist and when you're going to do those things. And then I'm not on social media 24 seven. I'm just on on those times. And that has helped a lot. (laughs) Because in the beginning, it wasn't that way. I was like, this is amazing. I'm on TikTok like 24 seven. It's amazing. It's addicting. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) we can't do that forever. Yeah, the sustainability. Those are huge, like four buzzwords kind of, but that can really be helpful in summarizing how to support people who are about to go through this. Because again, that's the idea, certainly with this show is that a lot of people will listen and they're where you were in that journey at the beginning when maybe you had 10,000 followers or 100,000 or getting ramped up to reach that success that you did reach. And I know you mentioned your little one and you mentioned your husband, you're a very family oriented person. I think there's a myth out there in the world of like content creation, online, one-person businesses, where it's like you have to be this person who's able to focus 100% of your time. You don't have a partner. You don't have kids because you're dedicated and you're working you know, 18 hours a day. <laughs> so it's really special just to see how you are able to work within those. I don't even want to say constraints because I think they're just a beautiful part of your life. Are there other kind of, I guess, tips or things that you want to appreciate when it comes to having a partner and having a child and still being able to do this in case people are thinking like they can't, you know, because there's a part of your character that obviously wasn't just like, I have those situations, so I'm not going to spend time pursuing this, you know, so what do you think it is that kind of like keeps you going when it comes to that as opposed to being like, I'm busy, so I'm not going to do it? Yeah, there's definitely a sense of label how we label ourselves in different seasons of life or even just all of life I don't know some of us like will pick a label and that is you till you die I was basketball Miriam for many years and then that changed and then I became artist Miriam and now I'm mom artist wife Miriam <laughs> and so compartmentalizing I think is key I think that you need to do things that kind of make make you feel like a whole person like if I was doing this so much and being a mom. And those are like my two things. I think I would go a little bit crazy because both are very demanding of your attention and focus. But I find myself, I clean Airbnbs on the side. And even though it's like hard labor, I enjoy just like working with my hands, feeling the sense of finishing something, knowing it's done and just like getting paid for a job and being done. Like that is just satisfying. I could choose to not do that anymore. Like financially, we're getting to a point where it's like, okay, we can just focus on just the social media. But it's like in the back of my mind, I'm like, I still want to do that because it's kind of nice to work with your hands a little bit. It's nice to to do that. Um, I may not be a basketball player anymore, but taking the time to maybe once every two weeks going to play with the guys at the gym is like, that is important to me. So right now the face paint is important to me to still keep going and still keep doing. I will say if there was no income coming in at all, probably wouldn't be doing it very much. That is a fact. I know that for myself and I know that I am motivated by the freedom that comes with money. I'm not money motivated, but I I enjoy being able to have time with loved ones and that comes by being able to financially support yourself. So it's the necessary thing to do. And what 
an incredible way to be able to do it. I can literally get up on a day that I do not feel good. I'm exhausted. Even when I was pregnant and I'm like, I can fake it for an hour. (laughs) That is awesome. I don't have to go clock in a nine to five job. I don't do well with that. I'm very good at, you know, more spontaneity. Maybe that's the artistic side, but I don't do good with like, I'm required to be here at a certain time at a certain day every time. That creates so much stress in me. I do a lot better with like this organic flow of like, oh, wow, I just pumped out like five videos in a row and the next week, like none. (laughs) So it's like, it works for me and it wouldn't work if I didn't have such a steady spouse because I would be too stressed about making money. But because he is my steady, it has allowed me to have that freedom to kind of be more creative and more self-employed, I guess. That's the word you want to use. This would maybe have to come from him, but do you have tips for like spouses trying to work together in that creative flow type world? Because I find that it's a little easier to structure your life with the nine to five, right? For those who are trying to maintain healthy relationships, what are some thoughts in that area? Totally is. He actually just crossed over to being self-employed. He just put in his two weeks, two weeks ago and finished his last shift on Saturday. It literally feels like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders because he's here and not gone for such long periods of time. And that schedule like stressed me out because of just how I function. I was like, there's so many week- weekends where it's like, this is our weekend to do stuff. Maybe I had basements I had to get done and then we didn't have time to spend and it was just stressing me out. So having that flexibility for us really really works for us. But we know that with self-employment, it's like a roller coaster. And so that can stress people out. So it just has to do what works works for you. And so for us, it's we both grew up in families with self-employed parents and we were the workers, <laughs> you know, so we we're just used to that. Like you get paid for the work that you do. Don't necessarily have to be working for a company to clock in and clock out and just count your time. You get paid for your project. And I just like that mindset a lot better. And so we kind of bounce off each other really well. We kind of push each other in, in those directions directions. He helps me keep going on this and and I'm now helping him on his, you know, journey with self-employment. So it's really exciting. And that I think I listened to a video recently that talked about divorce and that there's so many people that say divorce is caused by this or this or this or this. There's all these different factors, but this specific factor, I think there's some truth to it. Most couples, when they get married, they truly believe like they can't live without each other. They can't breathe without each other. They want to be with each other forever. And then they both have careers or just different ways they play out their day. Maybe a career is like a stay-at-home mom or whatever. And they just spend their time doing that. And they're not spending time together. And when they do spend time together, they're usually venting about their work or they're downloading about it, which is healthy and good to do. But they're not ever building or creating anything together. So they just start to kind of go in this different direction and they start to connect with people that are on that path as well. And it just naturally happens to where they sometimes find other people on that path and then it ends in a failed marriage. And it just kind of clicked. I was like, that is so true. I could see that there there is a very high divorce rate in the field of work he was in because the men are gone for long hours and all the guys would say, just you wait, your wife's going to find someone else, a different life. She's going to be living a different life than you. And he never felt that way. But there's so much value in being able to just create together. And so sitting down and just having a brainstorm with me and taking the time tonight just to deal with Jason for bedtime and let me do this. Like 
he's taking time to watch my silly videos, even though he's seen a million of them and he's tired of it probably. But then I take the time to help him, you know, he's starting his LLC and we're going to, I'm going to be marketing and reaching out to people and doing phone calls and maybe going on some of the jobs that he's going on taking time with each other to build and then also like setting goals with ourselves like fitness goals we're so excited that we can actually have a schedule where we can do that together (laughs) and I just I just think there's so much value in that and so if there's anything that you can do with your partner to feel like there's give and take but you're also working towards a goal together we both want to do what's best for our son and provide for our family and this is the way we figured out how to do it right now then it's working he will never you'll never see his face on social media he is such a private guy <laughs> ever but we figured out a- never say never you take him to one uh, <laughs> right convention Gary V conference or something something might change I've seen some things happen over the years that's so true that being said I I get it. And I I think that's where you can kind of complement each other with each other's skills. And that part's pretty cool. And uh, what I hear in that too, is a lot of like mutual goal setting, which is certainly the most important piece of any team, which perhaps I'm filling in some blanks, but being a football player in college, I know that you probably transferred a lot of those skills over from your basketball life and your athletic background as well, even if you notice or not. (laughs) I like that. Yeah, I'm sure it's true. You know, like the idea of like a mutual goal, like isn't that the whole idea of a basketball team? Totally. You're a team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> One thing that I'm really big on right now is just I understand the pragmatic, practical steps like to help somebody start their Twitter accounts, you know, which I'm helping uh, youth start this Friday, start her first Twitter feed, like how to start your, your Instagram and like what could be a business around a podcast, what could be a business around different things. Yet understanding the science of the mind behind it all, the mindset, sort of like the philosophy and psychology that combines to allow you to be successful in that world, I think is a whole different thing. Right. That's true. And so one of the other things that's really interesting that I heard you kind of mention is that you've like supported each other's goals. And I feel like resentment and uh, not like if you were to not think that your face painting's cool, you know, and diss you for it as opposed to support it, I think is another huge thing that would lead to resentment or feeling like you can't create because someone's kind of judging you who's supposed to be that loving, caring partner, you know, I'm just more or less thinking out loud. I think that's a, a big part of it too. I love that. I know that inevitably we're going to have to wrap, but one of the things that I love to do before I do kind of like our theme questions is just get into that little bit of practical, pragmatic a bit. And I have students that I work with who spend a lot of time in jail, specifically five to seven years kind of thing. And a couple of them picked up pencils and then acrylic paint a couple years ago and have gotten really good at painting. I know that one of the things that they struggle with is that idea of, can I actually actually do this. Like they really, it'll probably take another six years to break them of the idea that they can't do it because they don't think they can. But I, I've seen the skills. So just skills alone, I know they could, but it's hard to kind of like explain and break down for them. So if we did that sort of like Skillshare masterclass on how somebody could become an artist, let's say when they get out of jail, or if I were to help them get a head start now, what would be 10 key things to keep in mind or five thoughts or steps or whatever? Yeah, just off the top of my head, the first thing that came to mind was just something I heard from I think it was like an eighth grade art teacher looking at my art piece and telling me like, wow, this is amazing. You did so good and like feeling like so proud of that. And then seeing the foreign exchange student like turn theirs in and be like, theirs is so good, like way better. But like knowing like mine was better than like five or six of them. But then like seeing that other one and realizing there will always be somebody better. I'm doing quotations for those who can't hear 
future. There will always be <laughs> air, air quotes <laughs> from the office. There will always be somebody better and there will be, always be somebody that's worse. But beauty is in the eye of the beholder with art. So it's all opinion based. So you could think that maybe you're not like the best artist in the world, but that opinion doesn't necessarily matter. It matters what everyone else thinks in that sense. So I look at some of the most famous art in the world. I studied uh, art history in college, a couple classes, which was like painful to try and remember all the dates for everything. But I remember looking at some of the art and realizing like that was what was famous for the time. Like that took off. That was considered beauty. And it was like horrendous. (laughs) So... It really doesn't matter like where you're at. It's okay to continue to try and get better. And practice really does like help a ton. Like the more you use your skill, the better you get. And you may not see it like real time. But (laughs) when I look back on just, if we just talk about the silly face paint videos, I look back on the old ones and I look back on the new ones. I'm like, ooh, I don't even want to reshare the old ones. Like (laughs) they're that bad. (laughs) And I didn't think that at the time. Like they were the greatest things ever at the time. And so you do evolve and grow. So always push yourself, but don't stop yourself from creating because you don't think you're there yet. And then just figuring out what your, I never know the word niche or niche, whichever. I don't know what that is, but figuring out what that is. (laughs) Niche, niche, (laughs) like GIF, GIF. I say it twice too every time. I always say it. Every time. I do both. At the, like, I just say that word twice every time. Yeah. <laughs> I always felt like really frustrated that I didn't have like my main thing, my main style. I'm like, I don't have a style. And you look at my art and it's all over the place. I literally could copy like 10 different artists and make the same thing. And then I can make something different and I just can't pick. I, and I was frustrated about that because every artist I studied that was successful had something that they just picked and focused on. That was it. That was their name. And I'm like, I really realize I'm like, those artists probably could have made other stuff. They really could have now that I think about it. So be okay with exploration of that, but also seasons of life too. I think I listened to your podcast with the gal, I think she was right before or a couple episodes, she just shared about like her phase of life right now, where she was just, you know, exploring who she was. She even kind of changed her name. And that is how her paintings kind of Maya. Maya. Yeah. And I loved hearing that about her because she just was painting from her heart. And yeah. something you do in art is called a concentration. So maybe you look at that in each stage of life, like this is my concentration. This is the type of medium I'm going to focus on. This is what I'm going to do. And then you can change that at any moment. For most artists, they just find what they like the most and they just like keep doing that because they like it more than others someone wants to stipple with a with a pen on a paper and they want to just create stipple characters like that's becomes their thing or someone wants to paint with ketchup and they're just a ketchup artist now like they just like it so like the face paint stuff kind of was like that on the social media like it just worked and i liked that there was no way to incorporate canvas paintings of moose and bear in an entertainment way it's it was just a whole different type of art I'm picturing that on your cheek. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) So fun. Yeah. So I would just say, I would just tell them to, to just go. Don't look back and just go. Just start making, creating, selling. It's hard to self-promote when you're an artist because most artists are introverts. They just are. I'm naturally introvert, forced to be an extrovert. Like internally, I'm an introvert. So you just gotta, you just gotta push through that and just go and know that it's okay that stuff turns out bad because someone somewhere is going to love it. I've created several commission pieces where I was like, Ooh, I do not like that painting. That is a horrendous painting. I would never hang up. I would never look at it. And the person who bought it was like in tears because they loved it so much and it spoke to them. And I was able to channel what they wanted. So 
I was like, okay, this talent of not knowing my medium or my style is actually working for being able to tune into what other people are wanting and create what they want to envision on paper. So you never know. You just never know. So just go. Tell them, just stop thinking that way and just go. Keep going. Just keep going. One of, uh, I love Austin Cleon's books. And that's definitely one of them that's good is keep going. Yeah. So from like, I can guess, right? Like commissions or I have someone who kind of like does these semi commissions. It's really interesting. He just gets people to pay for their travel and their living expenses. And then he, and they'll put them up somewhere cool. and then he creates a painting for them. Cool. Obviously NFTs and like, and then just like the social media side, which can for most people take a long time. But from someone who's actually tried to monetize and yeah. build revenue streams around your art, what are some things to keep in mind? Just looking at what the audience is like sort of demanding or wanting or asking for. So if someone's saying like, I want vanilla, I want vanilla and you give them like strawberry, they're like, okay, <laughs> give them vanilla. I don't know. I would just like, just listen to what they're saying a little bit of, and then just looking at what your market is, knowing what your market is. So if I'm going to sell art in the town here in the art store, the market is they want to see like animals in the woods because that's what sells and that's what they want to buy. So that's what you make. But that might not be like your thing forever, but that that's what sells here. <laughs> It might not sell online, but it's going to sell here because these are the types of lake houses that want that look. So I don't know, just kind of listening to what other people are saying and, and seeing what other people are doing too really helps. I've learned like most people aren't going to be able to pay for $4,500 painting, but they will for a $65 print about the same size. So figuring out the works to figure out how to make it printed and mailed over there is awesome. I saw another guy, he turned his paintings into a paint by number for people through a company. And tons of people bought those because they wanted to try and paint like him. So I don't know. There's just like ideas everywhere. You just kind of got to research a little bit. But I'm still navigating that too. I'm still figuring that out too. Keep figuring them out. What about something like that's super popular in the internet world for sure? And like I personally, people have kind of thrown out those ideas where it's like, oh yeah, I could clearly go create a course called How to Podcast and it would probably be reasonably successful. But I just yeah. don't even want to do that personally. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people have and they're probably doing well. And I just don't, I don't think it's an ego issue. I just, it's not what I I want to do. I just want to create the podcast. But like, have you created a course? Is that something that you've thought about? Like, you know, ebook or maybe like you said, paint by number? Like, are those other things that you've looked into? Yeah, I've done a little like tutorials on YouTube. I thought they were really boring, but <laughs> everyone's been enjoying them. So I was like, okay, maybe they're not. I, like, I thought I was boring and it just talking kind of like Bob Ross, like no music, just talking <laughs> audio over the painting. But you don't charge for them. <laughs> I don't charge for them right now. And that was something I was thinking about doing with the end NFT world because you need to like have a service with your NFT to make it valuable. So like if someone purchased an NFT from Mary Marks, they get to have the login to her exclusive content, how-to videos, and it's, you know, exclusive birthday videos that they get to share to their friends and stuff like that. But I haven't built that yet or anything. Definitely open to it. And I'm definitely curious Aside from the art world, just Audible itself creating audiobooks would be really fun. Mm -hmm. And not even necessarily being the one who reads them or, you know, tangibly creates them, but writes them and then just starts to hire out and do that. I'm like, that's something I could do. That's something could bring a revenue would be kind of fun to do a few how-to books on audio, Audible or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of audio, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a that's a perfect spot to kind of ask, like, what are your big dreams? There's so many. I was going to be a professional volleyball player in the Olympics. <laughs> you came up with that yesterday? <laughs> when I was like 12. 
right? Every day it changes. No, my big dreams, like I truly wanted to be an artist, a successful artist. And that was measured by like money coming in. So now money is coming in. So it's like how much is coming in <laughs> measures that. So it's, it was too vague. So when you're setting goals, you got to kind of start big and work backwards to the, the smaller steps. But I don't know. I just, I've always had these like little stories in the back of my mind. And obviously I, I drew them when I was really little and I always thought it'd be fun to, I had this vision of just like having a whole collection of stories from Miriam Marks that you can buy just as a package deal for like 125 bucks and you get all these books for your kids to read and you and your kids can read. And I don't even know anything about the different levels of reading and like some are like barely any words, some are too many words. And, but I just like envisioned like, just like an animal series and animals, you know, over coming different learning about different values and I like Becky the brown bear and she learns about obedience because she sneaks out of her cave with her mom while they're in hibernation and she gets lost in the snowy woods and she learns she needs to listen to her mom and be obedient because then they can explore the woods in the spring together <laughs> like just little stories that just like there's so many and so I never knew how I was going to go about that but with this social media stuff it would be really fun to just kind of see how that evolves so maybe it's reading them maybe it's providing the characters in video and then they get to buy the story of that character or something I don't know but I do want to eventually have those at least for my kids like if anything so being able to get enough money to produce every book that I have, which is a lot of books. <laughs> um, it takes around like, if you just do a really cheap one, like four grand per book to just like pump it out and get it out there. So that'll take take a while. But I, I just see that happening. And then now I see happening just like, it's been really fun to write the cartoon with my husband and like figure out the dialogue together with that. So that would be really fun to see if we could get that rolling and do that. But ultimately, like, I just want to be a mom and I just want to be super fit and healthy and happy and create art and have enough income to be able to spend time with family and keep creating more art and just more low stress <laughs> lifestyle. I think that's just my biggest dream in life. Live it to the fullest and feel feel healthy and good while doing it. And we didn't even cover this, but I'll just tell you real quick, like growing up was an extremely stressful environment. We were the second family in Boise to have a lawsuit over toxic mold and we lost all of our belongings and we were really sick for many years and we were like homeless and it was this really like stressful time in life you know I was young but the way I saw it through my lens was really fun we got to move schools and move houses lots of times and I thought that was an adventure and my sister thought it was the end of the world so <laughs> it was cool but looking back I just remember you know my parents being so stressed and just so stressed about money that was frustrating because I just wanted to go have fun. I just wanted to go have ice cream and watch a movie and we would be like out of money and there'd be no food in the cupboards. I'm like, so there's this new movie out. Are we all going? And my dad would just look at me like, are you kidding, kid? Like... <laughs> can't do that right now. And so I just wanted to be able to do more in life and you and the way our society functions is with income like that. And so I think that's like my biggest internal dream is just to be free to serve and live and love the way that you want to and can't take care of your health fully unless you have the income to do it. Just spent, I think, $400 today on supplements to help get my body better after having a baby because I have an autoimmune disease that's kicking butt right now. Wow. Yeah, my goal is just to be able to be comfortable financially to be able to give of myself more because otherwise you have to spend time trying to earn that. And the real catch of that being able to take care of yourself first. Yeah. 
to create the foundation that ends up allowing you to give more. I just tweeted today the idea that people think of vacations as selfish a lot of times. Like I, I see that you get that vibe. And I tweeted today that they are really selfless and that I would like to be able to afford to do way more vacations because being able to take care of yourself, fully check out, lose track of time, like you would do if you were doing a creative painting, uh, painting and you're in a state of flow, being able to completely lose track of time when you're doing something like that ends up being that thing that helps as best as it can. I, I had a, a brother that really struggled with a autoimmune disorder as well, but as best as it, as you can be able to, to be healthy, build that foundation to work from and then serve. But if you serve first, then... <laughs> right. You get run into the ground. <laughs> it can be kind of hard. So it starts with self-care as the foundation and, and work out from there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like on all these topics, we could go on for hours <laughs> maybe do a full four-day conference because they're just so valuable and helpful. <laughs> and I already know that maybe episode 200 will run it back again because this happens every single time. It's just becoming like cliche almost. That It's awesome. Yeah, just having the opportunity to interview such great people who, who come at their work from a place of values. It was almost like giving me chills when you were sharing the goals because while you're talking, you're saying that it's like a dream and maybe it hasn't been like fine-tuned yet, but it's all coming to fruition and that sort of like manifestation piece, it is happening like before <laughs> right. my eyes anyways. And how the books come to be or how those stories get told, who knows? Right. That's the important thing. If you worry about that, it's not going to happen. So you have to just let it happen and uh, it will. Back to that Maya Marsha Weeder episode. That was one of the main things that she was trying to drill home was like she knew she wanted to go on Oprah and share her books, right. but she didn't know how. And if you start worrying about how, it's not going to happen. It doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. And the moment she stopped worrying about how and just continued to, to, to make some progress and take care of yourself, all of a sudden you're sitting on Oprah's couch, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. It's it's definitely all these topics are, are super special. And so thank you for sharing them. I have a few uh, themed things that are sort of like rapid fire, although questions are questions. So feel free to answer <laughs> them however you want. Cool. <laughs> the first one is uh, just a, a tip that if you were to leave one piece behind for the next generation to keep in mind, what would that be? Ooh, there's so many. We'll do two then. So just in general, it's like my first thought is always like, get off social media. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm on social media. So it's not that, but it's be very selective about what you choose to view and spend your time on. And moderation, there's so much power in moderation that is key in life and, and enjoy. So too much of a good thing can be can be bad. And with our media, especially like being selective about what you're viewing is so important. And I'm raising an incredible boy and I'm like, everything is thrown at you. You need to be strong and you need to know who you are. And you need to know what you value. Otherwise, you're just going to hear everything telling you and pulling you every which way. And so just kind of starting with that foundation is truly like listening to your inner voice and I am just, I'm a very religious person. And so a great way that I've done that is just finding my sanctuary and understanding Christ and like who he was and just learning about his life and trying to follow that the best that I can, because he truly was perfect and he truly saved so many and continues to save. And so I just feel like that's a foundation that has continued to give back throughout life and that I hope that future generations hold on to and don't forget about because there's so 
much freedom that comes with understanding who our savior is. That would be my best advice is just like to learn of him and then try and be like him because you can't go wrong. And if in the end, none of that matters, you still lived a good life. So that was kind of my mindset growing up. If I didn't have a foundation in that, (laughs) it's just, you'll be fine either way. (laughs) Yeah. It's win-win. Moderation. Learn about who you are and, you know, stay strong. And and maybe it's just a role model. Maybe it's not Christ himself, but just someone who you look up to and is someone that you can think back on and be like, what would they do in this moment will help kind of ground you because our world's about to get pretty crazy. Yeah. And how does that drive your faith? Right. I think that's huge. Right. One thing that you're learning right now that maybe is off topic from all of this. Hmm. One thing I'm learning, I am learning that... Honestly, I feel like maybe every mom learns this. So maybe that's like what I'm focusing on in my life. But I'm enough and there's space in this world for me, even though it doesn't feel like it all the time. Yeah, I'm enough. (laughs) I like that. These always create mic drop moments and that's one of them. I really (laughs) like that. What is a question that you would ask me? So I thought about this a little bit. Honestly, like what are two or three habits that you've created in your life that have continued to keep you happy regardless of external circumstances? (laughs) I love these. I mean, they're always so fun, Um, but it's just like this weird like table flip. Where it's like, you know, I'm so interested in like, you have so much value to provide to the audience and like, hey, these are like some great themes and yes, I know. <laughs> let's talk about your life. And then it's like, okay, now that's what's my life now. <laughs> and I feel like you have so much to give just with your podcast alone right here. Like I've been on a few other podcasts and just listening to you and how you interact with everyone that you've talked with and your message that you're trying to share and get across is so uplifting. I I just see it continue to be successful. And I really just enjoy who you are and what you have to give and like how you give it, like how you go about it is it's very unique. And I truly believe is going to kind of set you apart from from other just generic podcasts. I think so. And I'm learning to step into my own vulnerability and really appreciate that. Like Brene <laughs> Brown style. I love it. Thank you. I'm starting to believe that more and more as people say that. And so I really appreciate you sharing it. It means a lot. I love it. Because that's the idea. I think that I come at this similar to how you do your art, right? Yes. How can we serve through the thing that we like creating? And for me, finding the medium was very late because I kind of am like, you know, to other people, I'm like, if you're starting a podcast, make sure you know what you're getting yourself into because it's a little bit harder to, to market, right? Like, hey, look at me. Like, this is a little less entertaining than <laughs> face paint, you know? <laughs> but there's ways. And it, anyways, it's like, it's, yeah, that's a whole other topic. I love it. Thank you for saying that. That's the main point. You're welcome. <laughs> so I feel like I won't say sleep because <laughs> doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, it's middle of the night for me and I'm still working on that side hustle life too. However, <laughs> some habits, I, I think one is the whole idea behind like Dispenza's work, you know, around like manifestation stuff. And there's like the Abraham Hicks and different people who do like that real big manifestation stuff. I used to find it very kind of like woo-woo-y and sort of like too esoteric for me. But understanding that sort of like Zen, Buddhist, Dispenza, whatever you want to call it, the, the simple part of that concept being that when you have negative thoughts, just recognizing them without judgment being the hardest part. So not getting mad that I'm getting mad at something my daughter did or that somebody writes a comment on my social media or that I don't get enough views on an episode that I thought I would like not getting mad about it, but recognizing that that negative thought is happening and then 
and watching it float by like a cloud. Getting better and better at that has led to a lot less of those negative thoughts. I like that. And I think that's something that is like explained really well in his work and other people's work, but it's hard, hard to actually start doing it. And so I, I think I've done a pretty good job of that. And did you say that's made life better? Is that what the question was? Just basically like made you happy in life, regardless of external circumstances. So there's going to be things that are hard and not fun, but what continues to kind of be your steady. Yeah. And so the other part of that is gratitude, but not in the form of like, hey, I write down 10 things that I appreciate every night or every morning because... To me, that not so formal. Yeah, yeah, it loses its energy really quickly too. Because I'm going to write the same things down. You know, one way I guess around that is writing something different down every day and seeing how long you can go. I think that's kind of cool. I've done that. <laughs> I like supporting that. other people. You know, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's exactly. Like I think because some people do need that formalization. But for me, a lot of it is around gratitude combined with grief. I lost my brothers recently, yes. and Ugh. it's one of those things that when we face those things, for me, it was always like. A see, I told you so, because I always lived like the life is short mentality. And where that kind of comes full circle with content creation, business, or life, and like you said, continuing to, to push forward with goals, is that when I create things, even this episode, even though it's an interview show, if I create a solo episode, or if I just put out a 20-second reel on Instagram, I'm often thinking that I'm leaving breadcrumbs for my daughters in case I were to not be here tomorrow. You know, they can go find that poem that I posted. And so maybe the poem gets zero likes, but it's okay because it's just there because that's my target audience, you know? And then if that grows a concentric circle of (laughs) strangers that become, you know, a few thousand followers or a few hundred thousand or a million or whatever in the future, that's amazing too, but it's kind of like a bonus. I think that's the second thing that I would say. Exactly. I can relate to that big time. That's that's a great way of putting that. And that's just also knowing like where your priorities are at and where your time is spent isn't wasting time. You found a way to make that valuable, even if the following doesn't come, but it's going to continue to come. Yeah. But it's not about that. That's what's so super cool. I love that so much. And I can totally relate to that. I think so. And I think another part where it's like somewhat practical for people, because again, those are both a little bit like I have to know myself to like figure out how to make something more digestible for people. If I write a book, I need to make sure like I'm building a framework or else the publisher would be like, okay, like this doesn't make any sense because it's a little (laughs) too philosophical, I suppose. So in that regard, like an example would be if I reach out to people to do an interview like this and they say, no, that's like, I'm just, okay, (laughs) it wasn't meant to be. We just get going. There's just, you know, so many really cool people. And then when we do have an opportunity to collaborate like this, it's always awesome. And so a lot of people, I I can hear it. Like if I'm, you know, doing a live or somebody else is interviewing me on their show and asking me an audience submitted question, a lot of times people are like, oh, I asked people to come on my show and they don't want to, like, what's wrong with me? You know, there's a, there's a lot that goes into trying to support someone like that. But in general, it's like just kind of keep moving, you know, and I know you shared some of your, uh, you know, letdowns in your journey. I really wanted to get into the Adobe creative. Uh, see, this is awesome. I can't even remember what it's called now. <laughs> 
it. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing. But I, I applied a couple of years in a row because I used to lo- really love filmmaking and that's what I wanted to do. And the whole idea of their creative residency is what it was called, okay. was that they would provide your salary for a year. You have to speak on their behalf at conferences, but otherwise you're creating. And I always thought that my project was like, it was a really good idea. Yeah. Like this was basically it, but in YouTube format, like how do we learn something new and show people growth mindset and vulnerability and build a brand around that. And I still think that that would be a wildly successful thing. Yeah. But anyways, so I got denied two years in a row to get the letter back because he can't make it. And then after that, they stopped accepting anybody outside of the US. (laughs) Oh, dang. You know, you have that little feeling of like, ah, like I thought this was the year and it wasn't. And then you just keep moving, you know? Yeah. Whatever's meant to be will be. So that's my long, short answers. (laughs) I love it. You never know what's around the corner. So just got to keep going. Yeah, for sure. Gotta keep trying. Just try. Yes, exactly. That's just <laughs> it, right? And almost every single episode, somebody has made reference to that without noticing or not. People say <laughs> I that. had to get in there. I had to do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You did earlier. I don't know if you remember. But I might have, yeah. <laughs> it always stands out to me. Ago. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> good. Well, listen, this has been amazing. And the, the last question that I always ask is where and why people could find you online. They can find me on YouTube. It's just Miriam Marks. And then Instagram is Miriam Marks Art. And TikTok is Miriam's Fun Bunch. And the cartoon is called Miriam's Fun Bunch. So, or The Fun Bunch. So eventually, maybe all the names will be the same, but we'll see. Um, and I have a Facebook page that you can follow me on there. It's just Mary Marks. It's probably the first thing that pops up on Google. Facebook is private, so you can only just see my art page. I don't post on it a ton right now. Yeah. A quick side note on that. I rebranded this show to just keep learning because it was way too hard to find otherwise. And I've been very happy since people can just find it now is very helpful. So much easier. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Are you excited for Vine to make a comeback? Is it coming back? <laughs> That's what everyone keeps asking. That would be cool. I never got into it. I loved watching it. And then when TikTok came, I felt like it was kind of the new Vine. So that would be kind of fun. We'll see. Yeah. So I'm interested because Elon Musk has been teasing it because he owns it now. So he's been teasing it like, should I bring it back or not? He tweeted yesterday a little sneak peek that Mr. Beast gave him some tips for if he wanted Vine to actually legitimately compete with TikTok, that these are the things he needs to do. That would be fun. Yeah. I mean, it's always been slow for me, but I don't create awesome stuff like you do on there. So (laughs) I can't relate, but I am interested in seeing what uh, if he does actually roll this out, because why not? It'll be fun. Never know. Yeah, I know. It'll be cool. And like you can, I think that the cool thing about having a new platform is there's the excitement piece, right? Because that existed yeah. with, there's an app called Hi-Ho that was pretty interesting. You know, certainly Clubhouse had like a pretty good year that was just fun to be on there. And TikTok when it, you know, first launched and not to say that, it, you know, these things aren't fun to to work on 15 years later, but it, there is like excitement when it's new, you know? So we'll definitely have to wait and see. But if it is, then we can definitely both create there. That's That sounds fun. Yeah, I think it would be. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate it. And no doubt we can do another episode someday in the future. That would be super fun, Justin. Thanks for having me on. I really enjoyed it a lot. You're just such a great interviewer. It was such a treat. And I know it's probably all over the place, but you're really good at just keeping it organized. And I just love that. So you definitely have a talent. Thank you. That means the world. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Good night. 
JKL listeners, thank you for being part of this incredible community. Thank you to our guest, Miriam, such a great, kind, and productive creator. I have no doubt that her brand will grow into a global powerhouse for years to come if that's what she decides. As always, we love getting your DMs about the show. If you have any input on guests or topics or any ideas at all, don't be shy. Just reach out and let us know. Until the next episode, all the best, and remember, just keep learning. You're one step closer to making your big dreams come true, but there's plenty more where that came from. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and if you know anyone who might love the show, send them a link. We'll see you next time on Just Keep Learning with Justin at Just Tries.